Welcome to TA1, everything you want to know about adventure racing and then some. I'm your host, legendary Randy Erickson, and let's make this short and sweet because it's a long one because it's a two-parter, and as you'll hear if you listen all the way through, I had planned to put um, part one out last week, and then it was 1.30 in the morning before the start of Untamed, and I was like, nope, ain't going to happen, so... Um, here are parts one and parts two with Team Naira, last known photo. Um, these guys are really fun. Um, I enjoyed this chat, or both of them, and seeing them out there. So that's uh, let's do it. All right. Uh, go fast, take chances, and thanks for listening. Bye. Hey, I heard a, I heard a voice. Brian, is that you? Randy, how are you? It's Brian Gatins. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. Let's see. Now we got to um, let's see. This used to be easy, and then Skype changed everything. Okay. Updated everything, and all right, here we go. See if this works. So now I don't know how to work Skype very well. It's doing something. Okay, that's good news. <laughs> oh, oh, hello! Somebody joined. Ah, yep. Are we all here? Hey, yep. is that you, Murdy? That's me. Hey, what's going on? Ta-da! Here? Ta-da! Hey, Randy. <laughs> hey. Ah, oh, okay. So you, you guys, you guys can hear me, okay? Yeah. Actually, yep. technology is working. So. <laughs> So, okay, introduce yourselves so people know who's who. And I know yeah, who's who. Yeah, Jim. How you doing? I'm Jim Mernon. Well, that's not much of an introduction. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was just to identify a name and a voice. You want you want my resume? Oh. <laughs> yeah, get, you, you give me your resume so people can figure out, can get get your voice, and then, and then we'll move to Brian. Hi, I'm so who, Jim Mernon. Who are you? Where do you live? <laughs> Jim Mernon. I live in Ridgewood, New Jersey. Okay. And who's the other guy on the phone? So, Randy, I'm Brian Gayton. I'm the other half of Team Last Known Photo. Um, I live in Ridgewood also. Jimmy and I live about uh, a mile and a half from each other, and we've been friends since 1991. Yeah, so um, tell me about that. I don't care about so, this adventure racing stuff. How do you, okay, how do you become friends and how do you stay friends for, that's like 20,000 years? <laughs> yeah. So we, uh, so, so we, Jim and I went to college together in the Bronx. We went to a, a, a school called Manhattan College. Um, it's a small Catholic college in the Northwestern Bronx. Uh, we hadn't met before we got there. Uh, we ended up living, it was over the summer of 1991. We were both living on campus over the course of the summer, and um, there weren't a whole lot of kids around, and we just started hanging out and became friends, and then it kind of took off from there. Um, we were active in our, our college. It was a Catholic college. We were active in our college's uh, campus ministry program. We did retreats together, and we just started hanging out, had some mutual friends, and we've been friends ever since. Uh, you know, life's ups and downs, right? Marriages, kids, job changes, um, and Jimmy is the uh, Jimmy is the person I've known the longest in my entire life, aside from my parents and my family. 
Jim, do you agree? <laughs> I do. That's roughly how it happened. Yeah. Um, what um, – okay, I'm going to assume you're good Catholic boys. How do you end up going to a Catholic school in the Bronx? Does it One of those doesn't seem like it belongs with the other. Good, Jimmy. I'll let you take this actually, one. Actually, maybe I'll start here, yeah. I was actually – when I was born, we lived about five blocks south of the college because my father went to school there. Father from the Bronx, mother from uh, from Washington Heights in New York City, and uh, a lot happened in between, but I ended up moving away from the Bronx when I was young and then moving back just to go to college and spent, uh, uh, you know, six years there through college and grad school. Yeah, so so I, I had a similar experience. Um, basically, my family as well as Jimmy's family, we were the, the were the were the grandchildren, if you will, and the great grandchildren of Irish immigrants. And when people had moved to New York City from Ireland, they settled in Manhattan and they settled in the Bronx. So our families uh, lived in the city. And then what happened in the 1960s and 70s is that uh, there was a great migration out of the city. So a lot of families that lived there moved out to the outer suburbs. Uh, Jimmy moved to, to New, he lived in Michigan, then he lived in New Jersey. I lived just outside New York City in a place called Rockland County, um, and I went to a Catholic high school. Um, and Manhattan College was a, a popular regional school, um, and I was very fortunate to go there. And Jimmy and I both graduated from there. Um, what's interesting is, and I know that you're in South Dakota, Randy, is that mm-hmm. people, you know, when they hear like the Bronx and they hear the city and they hear Manhattan, they think, you know, they think like the urban jungle. Um, New York City, that section of the Bronx called Riverdale is just a gorgeous, gorgeous tree-lined streets of, uh, of the Bronx. It's absolutely beautiful. I ended up living there actually for 15 years when you count my college years and my post-college experience. Yeah, yeah I mean, it, it is. I mean, I, I like... I, I like to think I know better, but I still like to the uh, cliche of what New York City is and all that. and Don't bust my bubble too bad <laughs> yeah <laughs> we promise we promise well you know as as, as good as good New all preconceptions can stay intact yeah exactly <laughs> exactly we, yeah. We, we will let you we will let you folks who don't live in the city uh enjoy your enjoy your preconceptions of our life here yeah and, that, so and now we and now we I, both live in jersey so now you jersey boys yeah and Which, jersey is a it's a great place to great place to live and a great place to race and a wonderful place to train yeah, and you know, I've talked to other people, other Jerseyites, and I don't think we've ever gotten into it that how um, really rugged and, um, you know, the Pine Barrens, is how, how really outdoorsy it is. So yeah. how, how outdoorsy yeah. is it? So southern, southern Jersey has the Pine Barrens and the, and the, the shore, the, the, the beach, the ocean. Uh, northern Jersey has the mountains, the city, and everything in between. Yeah. I mean, the, 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 the thing about where we live is that we're, we're basically two hours to the ocean, a little bit shorter if no traffic. We're two hours to the mountains. If you want to be in the woods and you want to climb hills, the hills are here. If you want to train on the flats, there's flats. Um, people, you know, you say Jersey, people think like the Turnpike, they think the Sopranos, they think like, what I do you from? Um, but there's no doubt that New Jersey is, it's, it's really, uh, it, I almost don't want to talk about it too much because it's, it's a bit of a, a well-kept secret. 
it's an amazing place to, to basically do whatever you want to do. Um, access to the city, if you want the city, but you could go for a ride in the morning. You could be on these beautiful roads with no one else around you and think you're in the middle of nowhere. Um, and so and living, and, living and working here is really a, really a blessing. Uh, the downside is that there's a, there's a lot of congestion. You know, 15 million people live within 50 miles of New York City, right? So you have to put up with a fair amount of traffic. But if you can get past that, it's a great place to be. That's pretty cool. So you yeah, want to know how many people live within for the bike race? Yeah, within a mile of me, there's um, two people. Okay, <laughs> you're in South Dakota, right? Yeah, and and we are literally in the woods. We live yeah. 20 miles outside of town, you know, surrounded by Forest Service. So yeah. Yeah. we're we're uh, almost like as opposite as you can get. Yeah. yeah, nine nine years ago, I ran the Lean Horse Ultra. In, uh, ah. in in Hot Springs, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I ran the fifty miler. Loved it. Right through the Black Hills. Absolutely loved it. Yeah. Great place. Yeah. So, are you? You, you should come run the uh, Black Hills one hundred. It's oh. hard. I heard. <laughs> heard it's crazy hard. Yeah. I heard that, and we yes. were looking at the trans the uh, the Trans South Dakota, the, the bike yep. packing race. Yeah, we were looking yep. at that. You just did you just did you cover that? Did you just do that? Um. <clears throat> It <laughs> okay. I'm covering the start again because the start is Saturday morning, and then I have to get on a plane Saturday afternoon to go to Boston for Untamed. That's right. Okay. Okay. Sure. 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 Yeah. Okay. I, I didn't know that they but, were that close. Yeah. Well, for a long time I thought they were a week apart, and I could do them both. Um, okay. But Paulette <laughs> cover them both, not do them both. But Paulette is doing the race. Um, she was going to do the Trans Pyrenees run, and that got canceled. So, like two months ago, Joe's like, "Well, do the do the half, do the three forty. She says, oh, okay. "Okay," and she got a bunch, you know, bunch of gear he had and stuff. And then last week, Joe's like, "You know, we don't the only woman doing the the full Trans South Dakota dropped out, and uh, why don't you do the full one?" <laughs> so she's like, <laughs> "Okay." <laughs> but is but is that how it happened? Like one time, Jimmy yes. and I signed up years ago to, to do a fifty kilometer mountain bike race in in a in a state park not far from us called Ringwood. Um, uh, so a fifty kilometer of mountain bike, right? A week before the yeah. race starts, week and a half, we get a phone call from the race organizer. He says, "Listen, I, I I screwed up the permitting for the for the for the fifty k mountain biking, and so I wanted to do and make a fifty k run. Do you guys still want in?" I'm like, "Sure." And that was our first fifty k. <laughs> like it was literally like seven days before the race and we had a great yeah. time and it was a lot of fun but that's what happened right a race organizer says hey i got this thing you want to do it next thing you know you're you're running for like nine hours straight yeah well i think that's a theme that i've found with adventure racers and ultra runners and cyclists is it, it the default setting is well yeah of course i will yeah right exactly yeah, yeah we the, our bar to say no is really really low right and that's yeah. why we're that's why we're 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 actually it's really high if you think about it. That's why we're sitting here now packing for Untamed, right? Because Untamed exactly. is a big it's a big it's the biggest thing we've ever done. Um, and we've done a lot of big stuff, and but this is a multi day expedition race. We're really we're 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 excited for it, and it's one of these things where it's just it's huge for us, you know. We and we've done a fair amount of stuff, and so it's that idea like we say yes really easily to big stuff, and that's a great way to live. It's absolutely the best. So I just before we move on because I want to talk about big stuff. But um, so Paulette's going to do the race, and we're like, okay, what do we do with the dog? What happens to Chili Dog? 
So um, Joe and Tina, the race directors, are like, oh, well, she can go with us. So Chili is now the official dog of the Trans-South Dakota race. Actually, that's, we, we that's, that that's how we got that's so we got. so so closely affiliated with uh, with Rootstock. Um, huh? We went down to do one of the races, and they said, "Sure, bring the dog. He can start." And then we got down there, and like, "Well, why don't you just leave the dog with us, and you can both race?" And <laughs> this was me and my <laughs> wife. So that's um, yeah, uh, Brett and Abby, good people. Yep. Good people to know. Oh. So. They are so good. They are great to the sport. Yeah. And they've been very, very good to us. They, they've been really supporting us, getting ready for Ontario New England. Uh, training tips, phone calls, FaceTiming. Um, we couldn't ask for better, better support as we get ready for the race. They've been, and, if, and Rootstock, I know you interviewed them. Rootstock is a great yeah. organization. I mean, they've been so good for the adventure racing community. They're, uh, they're yeah. really a blessing to us. Plus, um, if you talk to Brett, yeah. you don't have to talk. <laughs> I'm also a little guilty of that. <laughs> my my favorite, not only my favorite people, I think it's the listeners' favorite people. But um, so, all right, let's hit Untamed. No, let's go back. Let's let's like have some. How did you guys go from? Uh, oh, I'll save that. How did you go from good Catholic city boys to uh, like? Yeah, I'll run 50k without any training. Yeah. Actually, um, uh, yeah, Jimmy, roll, roll with that one. Yeah, so um, graduated college, got jobs, both got married to to uh, uh, girls we went to college with. Um, sort of lived a bit away, didn't see each other much for a couple of years. Um, had kids, and then finally tried to figure out how to get back in shape and how to get together and have some fun, bought mountain bikes. Um, started doing kind of weekend warrior stuff. Um, but, you know, we don't, being in a, in a suburban area, even as close as we are to the mountains, we don't have the ability necessarily to ride out our door and be on single track trails. So it was always, mm-hmm. the, the, the bar to go mountain biking was always a little tough. In other words, it always involved, you know, packing up the bikes, putting them on a car, driving somewhere, and and mountain biking. So uh, eventually, we uh, we started road riding to train for mountain biking. It turned into a 4:30 a.m. every morning, meet before work, and ride a couple hours kind of thing. Then, as Brian described, after we uh, had done a few mountain bike races, we started to get into some longer stuff and. The mountain bike race, 50k mountain bike race, we had uh, signed up for turned into a 50k run, and then uh, I guess that just set us on a trajectory that included uh, triathlon, cyclocross racing, mountain bike racing, road racing, running our own uh, with a group of friends, running our own uh, cycling team, and uh, now it's kind of brought us to adventure racing. Yeah, that, that, yeah. Jimmy's dead on when he describes it that way. You know, if you go back, Randy, and it sounds like ancient history, but like 2001, um, September 11th was a was seismic for us, right? We just um, Jimmy Jimmy was Jimmy was involved in that personally. Um, we knew a lot of people who really who really we lost a lot of friends, a lot of people we knew, and you know, and it, for me personally, it was it was kind of a wake up call that I, I had a I had a job and I had kids and I had a life, but I, I had slowly let myself get further and further and further out of shape, you know. 
you know, you're 10 years out of college and you put on, you put on eight pounds a year, you're 80 pounds heavier. Right. And then all of a sudden, mm-hmm. um, in 2002, I just started running a bit after work. I was a school administrator at the time running a bit after work. Um, and then Jimmy and I kind of connected again and we started doing this big training and, and like he said, it literally this trajectory where it was like, let's hang out, let's run a little bit. Well, let's get mountain bike. Let's do this. And all of a sudden here we are packing for untamed. And that's, I think that that's a common thing, right? It's always like check off yeah. that box. You know, I remember I, we did our first Ironman in 2006 and I'll never forget. We trained for a whole year for the Ironman. I'm coming down the finishing chute as I'm crossing the finish line. And I, th- I thought to myself, well, that was kind of cool, but that wasn't that hard. What's next? I remember that mm-hmm. distinctly coming down the finish line of the Ironman. And that kind of one thing led to another. And, and here we are. And I think that that's really very common. Yeah. Um, and I got, I got to make yeah. one more shout out because, okay. because one of the other things we did, and this, this I find is to be a funny, funny life coincidence. Um, we started doing more and more mountain biking eventually led us to ourselves to 24 hour mountain bike races. And, um, one of the individuals that was the race director in a race called Alamucci here in the city was Dan Brennan. And, uh, that's, that's how Brian and I originally met Dan Brennan. And eventually Dan and Brian became, um, partners in adventure racing and then, and then brought me into the fold as well. And Randy, that's the guy you should interview. I don't know how well you know. If you ever met Dan Brandon, Dan Brandon is, no, I is the real. Dan Brandon is the real deal. He's in his early sixties now. He's been racing for forty years. He is the greatest guy in the world. I love racing with him. Um, he, he's really. Um, I've grown very, very close to him. Very fond of him. Um, and so that's a guy that we, we we love around here. Dan is a really, really, really strong guy for our community. Um, and he's a guy that we should try to connect you with. He'll tell you stories. He'll, he'll go. You're, you're, you're going to run out of tape. I mean, he's just so, <laughs> he's so, he's a, he's the kindest man. He's smart. Um, and he just, he, he loves doing all this stuff. He's been very good to Jimmy and I, a very good race partner yeah. to us. Yeah. And we yeah, met him actually sounds... through Naira. Yeah. And mentor. Absolute mentor. Yeah. Yeah. Absolute mentor. Yeah. Absolute. Just the, the, the kind of, the kind of guy that every, that, you know, Jimmy and I are a couple of schnooks, right? We're just trying to figure this stuff out. Dan is just like the, 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 the font of knowledge that guys like us need. So really, a wonderful guy. Yeah, and not afraid to share it. That's no, no. He's he's that's you know, but isn't that but isn't that part of the community? Like adventure racers, like we've done a lot of yeah. racing, right? And triathletes mm-hmm. are a little persnickety. Bike racers mm-hmm. are like you know they get a little intense sometimes. We have found that mm-hmm. the adventure racing community, the ultra adventure community, are just like the nicest, most fun, interesting people. They just want you to do well. It, there's no cutthroat. Yeah. There's no they want to kill you. You know, it's like, we're here to share this experience. Let's go have a great time. And they race. Don't get me wrong. It's not, you know, it isn't a picnic out there. But the the, 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 the nice guy factor is so high in adventure racing. It It is. <laughs> and I'm not sure if it's um, just uh, self, self, what do I want to say? The, the jerks just don't stay or right. they turn into nice people. Um, yeah. Because yeah. I literally... <laughs> Literally have never met a jerk in adventure racing. You know, maybe maybe on a rare occasion somebody might be upset over something. Sure, sure. But but you know who isn't? You know, like um, Jackie Bosant at Untamed last time came out of the Abenaki uh, um, bushwhack. Is 
that's not a race. That's a, I don't even remember what he said. He was not happy. <laughs> and well, I two hours later, yeah. he was. Yeah. yeah I, mean, I mean, we were, that's I mean, it. I mean Dan, yeah, Dan, Jim, and I were doing Stockville. Um, and, and I had a really, Stockville's this two day race that Brent Navi put on, this fantastic 40 mile adventure trek. And I had a really, really, really rough first day. My feet had always been my, my enemy. And then my feet were just falling apart. And we're out there like 14 hours. And we're stumbling around trying to get there. And I had, like, a little bit of a meltdown. Like, I just did, right? Mm-hmm. You're hungry. You're tired. Yeah. You're cranky. Um, I think I actually scared Dan, um, which I've never done before. But, like, <laughs> after you you know, after you have that bit of a meltdown and you get to camp and you sort of, like, calm down a little bit, you're kind of like, oh, man, I'm sorry. I, and, and that was kind of cool. Like, we figured that out. Um, yeah. But we have those we have those moments. Like, we had a sleep in a tent with a guy. A jerk. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but nobody's <laughs> like that consistently. Like, people have their no. moments. But to your point... People, I've never met someone in this in this sport who just is consistently just a jerk. Just hasn't happened. Yeah, yeah. So don't. don't and that's why I to. love it. That, yeah. yeah, and that's why we love it. That's <laughs> yeah, why we keep coming back to it. It's because isn't it? It's yeah. the people that make the event. It's not the event that makes the event. It's being around the people. Yeah, it's the. Uh, as Vin Diesel says, it's all about the family. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, yeah. Um. So. Was was adventure racing just the natural progression of of everything you were doing? I mean, did you just slip into it and think, "Oh yeah, of course, this is what we should be doing"? Yeah, I, I guess. I guess. Uh, I, I mean, I kind of got into it first. So seven years ago, um, mm-hmm. so 2011, I, I was I was a little bored, and I'd been doing a lot of stuff, and I was like, and I'd done a lot of bike racing. A little burnt out. I spent two seasons dedicated to bike racing, and I was super mm-hmm. lean, and I was super thin, and I was super cranky. Um, and I wanted to try something different. So I reached out to Naira, New York Adventure Racing Association, which Eric Caravalla yeah. is involved with, and Denise mm-hmm. Mast, who I know he mentioned on your podcast as being just this amazing person. Um, I emailed Denise Mast because the uh, the longest day race was coming up. And I said, hey, I'm, yeah. I'm, I've never done this before, but I want to try it. Do you know somebody? And she connected me with Dan. And that was 2011. Um, and we've been racing together ever since. And Jimmy, when did you come onto the scene? How many years now you've been doing this with us? Was it was Stockville really your jumping off point? Yeah, it's only been two, three years. So, a baby adventure racer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I guess I stuck. I stuck to pure bike racing for for a good while longer. Yeah, and I um, think it's. I think know, it's. A, I think yeah. it's an evolution in a lot of ways. I think. I think it's. Uh, in many ways. Uh, you know, a, a more fun, enjoyable, rewarding sport. But I also think um, I don't think all uh, adventure racers need to be, uh, you know, uh, post forty-five-year-old males. But um, as a uh, post forty-five-year-old male, um, keeping you know, getting out in the peloton and keeping up with the peloton is is. Uh, and and being in such acute physical shape is a harder thing to do than than longer endurance races. And I think part of it is our my ability to train and recover and and you know I guess glean enjoyment and and reward out of the experiences that I'm having. I find the longer the better at this this, this point in life. Yeah, yeah, and also too is the New York City bike racing scene is really intense. There's a lot of people that do it. They're very fast. There's a lot of guys with a lot of money. So there's a lot of coaches. There's a lot of equipment. And so to even stay 
even like a, a semi-competitive road racer around here, you have to dedicate all your time to it. Like there's no, there's really no in between. I mean, you could hang with the pack and you could be a bit of a duffer and sort of just like, you know, finish with the, with everybody else. But if you want to be competitive yeah. as a bike racer in New York city, that's all you can do. You can't do anything else. Um, and so to yeah, give me point, a Sunday morning it, race and there are 300 guys there, the 300, yeah. 300 people, guys and gals. Yes. Yeah. yeah. 30 people and they're, and they're fast. And the, and the thing is too, and I, I, I'll share with you one thing that kind of pushed me away from the New York city scene. Um, and I don't know if we want to go down that road, there were clearly guys that were cat four racers who are like cat four racing is like a bowling league. Let's be honest. Mm-hmm. And there were guys who were doping. There were cat, yeah. there were guys who were, who were like, who were like accountants. Like these guys are like weekend warriors, you know, and they're doping and they're dangerous in the field and it's getting a little crazy and it's shoulder to shoulder. And I thought to myself, what am I turning myself inside out for? Like it's, it's a dangerous sport. I have to kill myself to do it. And these guys are doping around me. No, thanks. And I slowly yeah. just evolved away from the road bike racing into the into the longer stuff. Yeah, it's um, it, that's actually kind of funny because I was going to ask you about that because I I mean I've heard stories. I've been out of road racing for, God, I don't know, twenty years, um, more than that mm-hmm. maybe. We moved here, but but you hear the stories and it's like guys doping to win, yeah, win a, a tire in a Cat Four race. They yeah. don't get it, but. We had, a, we had a guy a few years ago around here who was doping. He, he won a Grand Fondo doping. He yeah. got busted at the Grand yeah. Fondo drug test. And come on, like how lame is that? You know. Yeah. So so I had no desire to be involved in that. Do you um think it's just because there are so many of those kind of people in New York City? I mean, I, to me, it takes a certain person to to live live there and do that lifestyle and. Make it makes it a little easier to like. Uh, I can push the boundaries a little bit, or am I just being Midwest dumb? Um, I think uh, I think with the hours that you have to train to to stay competitive, that um, and uh, I think there's a little bit of people. The, the the community is so large here, but the people who are consistently winning races are. Um, it's a big part of their identity and their and their uh, and their social life, and I think that uh, yeah. those things are what really cause people to cross that line. I think yeah. when it's when it's your identity that's at stake, or you're addicted to the to the wind. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I think on that same point, and to kind of expand on your question a bit, the the, the, the gift of living in an area in New York and New Jersey, because it's one really one big area, right? The, the gift of living yeah. here is that because there's so many people that you really have a lot of choice in who you want to associate with, right? And so we're not bound if, if we're not bound to hang with people who who aren't like we have we have a great group of friends who we race with. Like, like put put Brent and Abby in that list, Eric Caravalla, guys who we race bikes with. We're still super close with. Like we're able to you're able to vote with your feet. And because there's so many people who live here and there's so many good people who live here that you're able to, to, to choose who you want to associate with, which I think is one of the benefits of living in such a highly populated area. Um, yeah. and there's, and there's so much sampling. There's so, there's so many good things to do, so many great people to hang out with. But that's part of the benefit of living in an area like, like, like New York and New Jersey. Um, yeah. And, and also too is the, the, the fact that you just have so many people here. There's a really high level of, of competition, which is great because there's a lot of people to race with. So, that makes sense. Um, okay, yeah. so one more bike racing question, and then we're going to go to Untamed. Um, so, do you guys are 
Are you following the tour? Do you care, or are you are you done with it? I, I, I still care. I, I, I follow I, it. I, I, okay. Yeah, yeah give me a call. I, I I dip into the tour on and off. I know that I heard that yesterday yeah. stage. Roubaix was was bonkers. I have to watch it. Yep. Um, but yep. I follow it. I, I would say that I, I we have friends of ours who really follow it. Um, I'm, yeah. I'm I'm up on it, but I wouldn't say I'm an authority on it. Yeah, I'm. I guess I'm that way too. I'm. I mean, I haven't. I haven't ridden forever. I haven't been on a road bike for who knows how long, and yet, on my uh, menu bar, the second second uh, tab is Velo News. Yeah. Right, right. What can I say? Yeah. But yeah, oh, but, I mean, once I mean, a roadie, always a roadie. Yeah, and you can't. And, and for pure human drama, I mean, I know there's a lot of sports. We've you know we live in amazing times. There's a lot of choice with sports. For pure drama, I mean, bike racing is just it's it's, it's primal, right? There's you you can't hide on the bike. So you see this amazing humans out there killing themselves. Um, so it's definitely worth watching. It very is. I actually watched yesterday's stage, probably the first first stage I've watched in, uh, I don't know how many years. But, I yeah, and it was great. kind of bonkers. Yeah, yeah I, have to, I have to watch it. Yeah. yeah. Even though I had to get up at 5.30 in the morning, drive into town, go to my mom's house, <laughs> watch her TV. <laughs> the things we do. Yeah. Yes, the things we do. Um, which one of you two is the instigator? <laughs> I think we trade that back and forth, but uh... <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I think it's a, it's a very symbiotic relationship. I think that okay. Jim and I we, we we we've known each other so well and so long that 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 one of us is always is, is able to poke the other guy to say hey here's this thing going on let's go this do this and it's a mutually beneficial relationship where we kind of drag each other along okay i, I can see that you've been you've been a duo long enough um so who emailed who and said we should do untamed new england uh i, uh, I, I don't think that's why brian reached out to me there yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm not, I, I, I think I think in the relationship. Good. No, say that again. Yeah, Jimmy. Oh no, I uh, I think Brian. I think Brian is the one who instigated this one, and um, you know it had been talked about in our uh, in our adventure racing friend group, and. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, still very, very, uh, this is a big nut to crack going from a 24 hour race to, uh, to, uh, a, a four night race is, uh, is something big. So, well, yeah, yeah, I, but, yeah. you know, you got to grow up. Well, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I guess part of it to me, it's the, it's the sleep deprivation and the, is the, can you bring it day after day? The closest thing I can relate to is, uh, is bicycle stage racing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> the closest thing I relate to was I, I, I have 19 year old twins who were preemies and I was awake all the time. <laughs> <laughs> that was my original training for the, uh, for, for this kind of racing with having kids. Um, yeah, yeah, but I think I think this came across. Somebody recommended this to me. I did this in mm-hmm. 2013. The last year it was last year was a 24 hour race. I did okay. it in 2013, and I loved it. I thought it was a great. I did it with Dan, um, and it was a fantastic race. It was, you know, one of these things, Randy. You'll appreciate this. Like Jim and Kate actually went with us to the race. Uh, they went there to watch and cheer us on. You know, we're delayed. No, 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 no. We, it, we, we, 
do that. We yeah. went there I mean, we, for we, the sole reason of we didn't want you to drive home. That's true. They were concerned. That's right. <laughs> they, were, they were concerned about We made a good like time out of it, but we went there because we didn't want you to drive home. Yeah, that's true. That's true. They were self-preservation. My preservation was their goal, which <laughs> happens a lot more than you imagine. Um, <laughs> and and so we got to the race course at like it was a, it was a seven o'clock start, and we were delayed getting there. And we and they dropped me off at the condo at like three o'clock in the morning. You know, one of those yeah. like you you go yeah. in, you get like three hours sleep, and then you're up and you're racing the next moment. You're 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 paddling canoe. Um, yeah. That, and that was and that was a great race. That was a lot of fun. Challenging. Oh my god, super challenging. Mm. Um, and that was my, the last time I did it and it's been a multi-day race since then and so when this came up I was like I gotta do this um, yeah. and Jimmy and I do well you know when Jimmy and I signed up for the first Ironman we did we signed up in July 1st of 2005 for the 2006 Ironman like we weren't ready to do an Ironman it took us a whole year to train and get ready we have a pretty good history of signing up for things that are beyond our capacity and then training ourselves mm-hmm. into them I have never signed up for a big race that I was able to do at the time well, that's interesting. Do you, do you do you think you need that to do that kind of training, or is it just um, why do you do that? <laughs> I, I find that kind of interesting. I mean, part part of it, uh, need not necessarily. I mean, because we certainly do plenty of stuff in between, and we certainly train mm-hmm. and stay busy. However, um, it, it's sort of a philosophy of always have a goal. Um, and happiest when we have a goal that we're working towards. That, that's just personally mm-hmm. my my experience. Yeah, and yeah. I, and and yeah, and Jimmy's right about that. And to extend that a bit further, um, I do really really well when the stakes are high, and I have to get myself ready for it. Like that's a good motivator for me, right? So mm-hmm. um, last last summer, I had the chance. I went to Newfoundland, and I did a, a nine day, six hundred mile bike packing trip across Newfoundland. And there were there were four there were five of us on the trip, and I was I was dedicated not to be the least fit of the five guys, and so as a result, I trained really hard for the six months leading up to the trip. I do really well uh, when there's sort of when there's a, when the when, when the guillotine is hanging over my head, I do really well in training. That 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 acts as a motivator for me. Yeah. Well, I think that's fair. I mean, yeah, why not have have uh, yeah? You don't want to. Screw up everybody else, slow everybody else down. So, right, right. I appreciate oh, yeah. that. That kind of goes. He, he also was the strong. Ended up being the strongest guy on the trip. Yeah, he, you know, yeah. he was motivated to not be the weakest, and he and he went there, and he was absolutely the strongest guy on the trip. And, and I and I think, Randy, I think that speaks to kind of the the idea behind this race for Jimmy and I that we're racing as a two man team, and yeah. and I and I am dedicated. And my training has been largely designed around the idea that I, I don't want to let my best friend down, right? I want to have a good event yeah. and I want to race well, but I want to be able to, I want to be able to enjoy the event. But at the end of the day, because a race like Untamed New England, from what I understand, really kicks the heck out of you. It really roughs you yeah. up. And I want to be able to be in the event to enjoy the event, but not be an anchor on my partner, right? Yeah. And so that's what that's what gets me out in the morning to train. That's what gets me to get the proper gear. That's what gets me to like. Like, and there's something to be said about that as a motivator that we are accountable to each other, and I think that's really good for us. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So why um, why just do why two person team? I mean, I, I understand why you two want to race together, but why not bring in find somebody that's got a little experience and you know kind of make it a little easier on yourself, maybe? 
Yeah. yeah I mean, we, we didn't make no it a two-man team to exclude anybody. Yeah. yeah. Agreed. Yeah, if somebody came along and said, hey, can, we, can I jump in on you? We'd be like, yeah, sure. Like, our, like, because the community's been so welcoming to us, we'd be the same way. Okay. Like, we wouldn't, like, we wouldn't, yeah, this is definitely, like, if, let's say something crazy happening and Grant emailed us tomorrow and said, hey, there's been an issue with the team. Do you want to, there's a, we got a, hey, I mean, here's a, I got a pretty fit guy I'll vouch for. Do you want to take on a second or a third person? I'd be inclined to say yes. I think that's okay. a cool, that's a, that's a cool way to approach the sport. So, yeah, and, and here's, here's, here's my hot take, and I hate that. That'd be good training for the new Eco Challenge because I think, I think when they do that, they're going. You're going to. They're going to pick a hundred people and take them someplace and say, "You for our team, you for our team, and you for our team." Yeah, I, I listened to your interview with, with Nathan. Yeah, you and Nathan were talking about that, and I think that. Yeah. I mean, Mark Burnett. Mark Burnett is is a master of creating reality TV drama, right? So he's not yep. just going to roll out the oh look, there's there's fifty teams of four people each. Let them go race. He's going to throw. Yeah. He's going to have a playground. He's going to have a playground pick. That's my guess. I think that could, yeah. And, and, and if it's a real race, that's going to be really cool. Um, yeah, but, so. is there, but isn't it going to be an issue? Like if you sign up to do that race and you pay all that money, what if you, what if you get like, what if you get paired with somebody who's just a train wreck? I mean, that, that's my only thing. But maybe, maybe they'll have a screening process on the way in where only fit yeah. people, like, well, well fit, fit's not the right word, where capable people are the only ones who yeah. make it to the start line. Well, and you know, if if you were interested, you had to sign up, and then eventually you'll get. I, I, they're going to cast the race, is what they're going to do. I think exactly. I mean, I agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So because um, why would I mean I mean Mark Burnett? Why would he return to a format that's been successful? Right. He's gonna he's gonna try something new if it even happens. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, and I'm not certain that there'll be an entry fee. Oh really? Yeah, there, I'm in. Well, <laughs> I mean, I have, yeah, I have, I have. Me I have Call me, Mark. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I mean, I have no, and you know, I'm going completely on uh, the lack of knowledge of anything. But I mean, they're casting a TV show. They're gonna. I, I mean, I don't know. I, I could see where they're gonna pick a hundred people and fly you to Italy. That's my guess. Is Italy right? For the race, okay, wow, so, yeah, uh, no, but I, I think that's interesting. But but to your point, because of the the way that we approach this sport, that we wouldn't be opposed to working with two other people or one other person if yeah. if it came down the pike. And if someone said, "Hey, you know, you, know, you want to get involved?" Yeah, sure. You know, you mean I are very yeah. flexible that way. So yeah, I mean, I I, I get that sense. Yeah, get the yeah. sense yeah. that um, yeah. could have a yeah. good time with you guys. Yeah, and the other oh. part of it, the other part, yeah, the other part of the is that Jimmy. Yeah, you're in. Come on, race with us. You want me to? Uh, I'm busy. <laughs> Good answer. Um, the other part of it too, Randy, is that Jimmy and I separately have we have some jobs that are pretty intense and that are pretty busy and that require us to dedicate mm-hmm. out of ourselves, and because we yeah. spend so much time working really hard. That our, our our leisure time activities at their very very core have to be fun. Now sometimes yeah. fun isn't fun, right? Yeah. And you know when you're you know and when it's when it's miserable and you're wet and you're cold and it's hour fifteen and there's thunder and lightning storms and you're beat up. While that's not fun by many definitions, that's the kind of activity that we. That's the reason why we do it. Because um, yeah. when I when I'm not at work and I love my job, when I'm not at work, I want to be able to enjoy the time that I'm spending doing something else. 
Yeah. But also, fun also involves talking about it later. And, oh, yeah. you know, you know my thing, every every time I ask you adventure racers what, about good things or bad things, it's always the bad things that come up first. So. <laughs> <laughs> always. And, and it, awesome. It's true. Yeah, it's true with me. I mean, yeah, yeah, if, yeah, yeah. if you ask me my favorite memory of 40 years of stuff, it's like getting caught in the snow in Custer State Park. In a blizzard. Yeah, I mean, we, but, we just uh, we, yeah. we did it. We did a twenty-four hour orienteering race called um, uh, Stokesville down in Virginia, put in by Mark Latanzi, who's a, a really great guy. And uh, Jimmy and I, we, we we intentionally we took a really aggressive approach to some of the CPs to, to test our metal out. Um, and we did this big, huge descent down this re-entrance. And we got to the bottom, and we looked up, and we thought we had the proper re-entrance to get the next CP, and we completely missed it, like by a mile. Um, and we like had a hike Yeah, we were like, we thought we, we'd actually left the state. That's true. And we actually had a <laughs> hike out like three o'clock in the morning, thunder and lightning storm, hiking down this stream. Like that's the kind of stuff you remember. I don't remember when the yeah. sun is like shining and the birds are chirping, right? It's when it's really, yeah. it's really challenging. You know, those, those are the moments you relish. Absolutely. Yeah. Maybe, maybe not right at the moment. No, 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 pretty, no, 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 no. It's pretty only, soon. <laughs> it's, it's, only in, it's only in the rearview mirror. Does life get the life yeah. easy like that? Yeah. Um, have, I mean, have you heard the horror stories about Untamed and all the misery and all that stuff? And do you believe yeah. it or? <laughs> yeah, I, 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 for myself, I do. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I mean, everybody who talks about Untamed. They talk about it with this sense of awe that you don't hear about yeah. a lot of other races. I heard Grant puts on amazing experiences. I heard it. it yes. People just, they, they love it. Yep. Um, well, it's the only race I've ever been where I transferred from a float plane to a boat in the middle of the lake. Right. <laughs> so if, if I get those kind of experiences, you can imagine what you guys are going to get. Well, yeah. You, really. yeah. And if, 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 if you notice, when you, when you look at his, his setup, it doesn't say you're being transported. It says it's a transportation mm-hmm. experience. Yep. So yep. who knows what that means? I mean, no. I mean, it yeah. could be a hot air balloon for all we know. Yeah. I think the only thing that was ruled out is skydiving because yep. you yep. can't legally uh, land more than like 10 miles from where you take off. Yeah. yeah you have to be <laughs> up or down. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. but I, yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think the, I think the lead up to untamed has been fantastic. The, the the vibe, the feeling, Grant's approach to it, um, really, really, really. I mean, without even setting a foot yet on the race course, the vibe is yeah. so positive. Yeah, my my favorite thing is I've had several. Um, maybe the, the correct term is wacky suggestions for things I want to do, and every time <laughs> Grant's like, "Oh yeah, that's cool. We're gonna we're gonna do that." <laughs> yeah, and that's but isn't that but, but Randy, isn't that the deal? Like that's the reason we do stuff like this, is for the experience. Yeah. Like so when yeah. you look back on it and you say to yourself, Man, that was a great that was a great way to spend your time. Yeah. You know, and it makes and it makes all the training worthwhile. Yep. Um what kind of pizzas did you guys order? I don't know. See what did we get? You were in charge of it. I was, I was I was in yeah. I was I was responsible for pizza ordering. <laughs> No. What'd you get? Sausage. I'm sorry. Yeah. Just oh, okay. No. One topping okay. each. 
Yeah. And we're going to shove, a, we're going to, yeah, we're going to shove a few pieces yeah. into our pack too, by the way. We're going to go in plastic bags yeah. and go deep in our bags. Yeah. Um, you might want to try tinfoil. It might keep them a little better. No. Okay. I'll take, I'll, I'll, I'll take yeah. your experience for that. <laughs> so trick. Um, yeah. oh yeah, I know what I, I got to ask you my, my, uh, couple's question. So <laughs> do you guys know stuff about each other that your wives don't know about you? <laughs> I would yes, I would agree. I would say yes to that. Okay, I don't want to know. <laughs> it's not coming out here. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So well, no, you've known each other longer. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I met my I met Jimmy in July of of ninety one. I met my wife. I started dating my wife in August. Of, I, I yeah, August of ninety one. I knew my wife a little bit before Jimmy, but I only started dating her um, a month after Jimmy and I became friends. Okay, that's cool. Um, other than having fun, what um, what are your goals for the race? Did we talked about finish the long course. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we definitely want to. Yeah, we to, definitely want to. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. That, do as yeah, well as we can and, and try and finish yeah. the long course. So. Yeah, I agree. With um, that. Yeah, yeah. So you've seen the you know seen the 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 planner. What do you? Uh, what are those legs lo- are you looking forward to? And any of them you're like, eh, may not. This may not be my favorite. I think the the fun the scariest part for me is that is looking at the time estimates because the legs themselves, on on mm-hmm. paper in terms of distance and even in terms of elevation, don't look all that crazy. But you know they're going to be crazy. So I'm the anticipation yeah. about about how those statistics on a page are going to be turned into such an epic experience is really what's got got me salivating. Yeah. <laughs> and what's funny is yeah. it's the and it's funny how people are different because um, I, I I don't spend a whole lot of time before the race kind of pouring over the the, the schematic and like I kind of know what we're doing and when we're doing it, but like yeah. I'm. I'm I'm of the mindset like like let's just dance right right like like here's the first mm-hmm. here's the first leg go as hard as we can and we'll just take it one leg at a time right and and so I yeah. I, I and I and I'm looking forward to just getting going on it um, I do I do think the 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 first section where it's a it's a 17 mile trek and a, a 17 mile trek and a 12 hour time estimate is a very yeah. very unique mathematically that's a point seven yeah. miles per hour average. Like, like, what will we be doing that will, so like, will we, we'll have to crawl through, you know, pine cones, pine trees that are an inch apart, which has happened in this yeah. race before, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, but, but yeah, but I, I think I agree with Jimmy that when you look at the schematic, the, the, the time estimates are really interesting in relation to the distance covered the amount of time they think it's going to take you. Um, that's what I, that's what I get a kick out of. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, um, Interesting to say the least. <laughs> but yeah. um, so, um, how soon are you guys headed up there? You starting to think about packing, or are you packed, or what's your time frame? Yeah. So I'm, I'm pretty much I'm leaving for I have a family vacation tomorrow uh, through through mm-hmm. the weekend. So I'm I'm all of my gear is everything I'm taking with me has been has been packed and put away. I need to do some rearranging, but I'm ready to go. Yeah. I could leave tonight if if, if if Grant called me tonight and want to start tomorrow. I'm in. Um, well, I'm pretty much there. <laughs> okay. 
Jim and, uh, yeah, my my uh, I I co-opted the dining room uh, probably yeah. four weeks ago or more, and uh, <laughs> I've got everything laid out and and in bins. I I need to do a good bit of reorganizing and and kind of my my detail packing. Um, and also, my wife Kate is volunteering for the race, so. Uh, so we're double packing for ourselves and our uh, and our dogs to go up for the week. We're leaving on we're leaving on Sunday. Brian, yeah. Kate, myself, and our dog Tempo. Cool. And we yeah. and we and we should we we have to give a special shout out to Kate. Kate is absolutely uh, a, a, a gift to the two of us in relation to all the silliness. She's she's a Kiwi. She's from New Zealand, and yeah. and, New Ze- and okay. Kiwis have, Kiwi Kiwis have adventure in their blood, right? I mean, it's in their DNA. Seems um, to, yeah. Yeah, and she is just and she's just the greatest uh, when it comes to us getting ready for this stuff. Um, so we're we're fortunate yeah. to, to have her to support us. Yeah, well, that's cool. All right, so we're recording this on Monday night, and I'm happy to say I haven't even started thinking about it yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wouldn't be. I have to tell you, Good the truth. Man. I wasn't going away tomorrow. Yeah. But I, I've, I've got it down pretty good now. I, I, every race I go to, I take less clothing. So, yeah, you know, I'm down to like two shirts and like a pair of pants and a couple pairs of shorts. And I still don't wear everything. So, And, um, and that's been, I have to tell you, as, you, as we, you know, adventure racing is all about growth, right? Getting better at something. Yeah. And I will, I will share, and Jimmy and I have talked a lot about this. Is that logistically speaking, the preparation to get ready for the for the race is literally like another discipline, like yeah. the gear, the food, the the, the, the boxes, everything. So this goes where, what goes there. That, that's a yep. that's a that's a, that's a legit thing to to focus on. Um, yeah, and that's actually pretty cool, right? But it's but this yep. has this has been. I mean, to say it's consumed of to to consume us has been an overstatement. But it's really it, it, it's taken up a lot of our time. There's spreadsheets that, that are color coded that we've been going through, yeah. right? I mean, it's, that's the way we're looking at it. Yep, I hear you. I hear you. So, um, oh, yeah. I have one more. I have a I have another race specific question. How do you guys? How are you going to split up the um, O relay? So yeah, Jim, we were talking um, about that. Yeah, so. Um, our plan, our definite plan, is to double up since uh, there's going to be four legs to it. And mm-hmm. um, what I mean, double up, I mean do two back to back, so that the other the other person can get rest. So our, mm-hmm. our rough plan going in is that um, uh, you know we'll do two back to back, and you only wake up the person who's who's sleeping or resting if something's gone wrong. You know, in between your leg one and two. Okay. So, and uh, yeah. are who are you both navigators? One of you take the lead. How do you work your navigation? Jimmy, Jimmy is a is a very 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 strong navigator. Jimmy, I mean, yeah. I I can hold my own. I'm not really worried about doing the individual the the, the yeah. by myself navigation. But Jimmy really has a very strong sense of that. Um, when when Dan and Jim. Did the did, did the Stockville together? They were a great team, um, so I, I would say that he's he's the lead navigator. Okay, all right. Well, I mean, somebody you, you kind of have to. I mean, even if right. you're both, you know, both Chris Foreign, one of you really needs to make it make the decisions. So. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, <laughs> I mean, hard. there's a fair amount of there's yeah. conversation that goes on in between, right? Yeah, but there's 
But if we come, if we, yeah, if, yeah, if, if we come to a spot in the race and, and, and Jim, Jimmy has the maps and he's looking at him over his shoulder and he's doing his thing and he thinks it's this direction, I'm going to be more, unless it's glaringly wrong, like, like if it's yeah. exhaustion combined with fatigue combined with just, you know, his blood sugar's low and he's all turned around, like, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna totally because a big part of this, especially racing as a pair, is that I literally would trust Jimmy with my life, and in many ways, yeah. not just in adventure racing, right? And so if Jimmy says yep. this is the direction, I'm on board, um, and that's one thing. And we, when we did the, we did Stokesville, we did that that race, the 24 hour. We both, we both navigated separately a little bit, and we both had really good screw ups that were pretty funny, uh, and we, which we grew from. Um, yeah, you know, where like the world was upside down. But I would, I would definitely. He gets, he gets first swing at the pitch for navigation, no doubt about it. Okay. <laughs> so, all right. Okay, I've got uh, two more questions, and then it's probably bedtime for you guys. So I'm, yep, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep on schedule. So this is gonna post next Wednesday, ten days from now. So you okay. guys will be, you guys will be one hour and fifty-two minutes. No, excuse me. Four hours and fifty-two minutes into the race, what's going through your mind right now? I, 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 four I, hours I, and fifty-two minutes. Five hours into the race. Yep. Because I post these at well, yeah, at eleven. So yep. So five hours basically. Yeah. So my assumption is uh, CP one through four is a prologue, and it's going to be done relatively quickly. It's probably a just a, a method to separate the pack, and then we have. Um, you know, I think the whole total distance for leg one is 17 miles. So assuming CP one through four, uh, are a few miles, we're going to have 14, 13 miles to go five, 5,200 foot vertical elevation, 6,000 feet down. So I, I assume five hours in, we're going to be climbing. <laughs> so, so that's so funny, right? Cause now Jimmy is yeah. an engineer. Right, right. Yeah. Now, wasn't that wasn't that a truly an engineer's answer? Right. Yep. It was numbers. Now, five hours in, this is what I'm going to be because I'm not an engineer. Five hours in, I am going to be. He's going to be on the second pack of Pringles. I'm going to be the happiest guy in the world, and you know why, Randy? Because the training, the preparation, it's over. We're in the race. We're in the game. It's are we going to feel good because we're five hours in. I'm gonna be yeah. I'm gonna be like a, a terrier on Christmas morning. Like let's go, let's go, let's go. I I can't wait for that moment. So I think I think so. Five hours in, Jimmy has his numbers down. That's cool. Five hours in for yeah. me, I'm gonna be like a kid on Christmas morning. It, it, and it, like... I'm, and I'm talking to you about it now. I'm getting pumped. Yeah, because you know, it's just, it's, just, it's the great. It's the I mean, how lucky are we we get to do stuff like this. It's such a gift. It is, and I think that that little that exchange right there. Kind of tells me why you guys are good friends and teammates because you're not the same, but you are. Yeah, no, <laughs> so. no, good way of saying it. Um, can I yeah. sneak in one more quick little shout out before we go? Yep. If I yep. may, if I may, I know that you interviewed Eric Caravalla not too long ago with Naira. Yep. Um, we're, we're lucky enough that we're racing as part of Naira. That we're that we're, we're we're Team Naira dash last known photo, which is a running joke mm-hmm. with us. Um, and I just want to give a, 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 a note of thanks to Eric and to Naira just for their their tremendous advocacy and support for the for adventure racing in the in the New York metro area. They've been very very they've yeah. been good to us personally and have been very good to the sport. And I just want to say yeah. that out loud that we're we're grateful for their work for us. Yeah, they uh, yeah I see I see what they do. It's good. 
Okay, here's the last question and probably the most important answer of the whole thing. Right? Okay, are you sufficiently ready? So fire away. Okay, fire away. the Russian the Russian that Polly and Christopher took into the Pine Barrens, did he survive or is he dead? <laughs> Jimmy, you want that? I want me to take it. Uh, he's dead for sure. Okay. I guarantee. He's, maybe 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 he's uh, buried in Giant Stadium. Randy, Randy, I will tell you, Randy, not for nothing, Randy, I will tell you that when those guys take you for a ride and take you for a walk, you don't walk home. Yep. That Russian okay. is gone as gone gets. Okay. So, I um, who did I? Maybe it was Eric I talked to, and I didn't. I forgot to ask him. So I needed to get. I needed to get a professional opinion. So. But, yeah. No, that's, all, right, no, all right, guys. All right, Randy. This is cool, and I am going to go load another pickup load of gravel for my driveway. And you guys, you need some sleep. You're going to race in a week. I can't wait. Right, tell me about it. So, cool. Well, we'll see you in uh, New Hampshire. Well, Randy, thank you so Good much. Boy. Absolute pleasure. Thank, 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 thanks for having a conversation with us. This has been great. It's fun. Thanks, it Randy. was. Okay, talk to you later. Bye. See you, man. Bye now. We'd like to uh, number of your asshole photographs. Every time I see your face, it reminds me of the places we used to go.
you. <laughs> Thank you. You're very kind. Beautiful song that uh, we wrote for George Harrison. Randy, how are you? Good. Are we? Who's here? This, this is, is Jim. This is Brian. Ah, you're both. Wow. It um, apparently once you do this once, it's real easy. Yeah. <laughs> One button. <laughs> so. Oh, you guys been doing anything last week or two? <laughs> we had a week of recovery, and uh, this weekend got back into some, some uh, decent exercise. And then, uh, actually, on Monday, I I got back into an old habit, which is commuting to work on on my bike. Oh, so what are you recovering from? <laughs> That would be the 76 hours and almost 200 miles of untamed New England 2018. Uh, so um, did you, did, are you ready to hug Grant or kill Grant? Hug. Hug. Ah, good. Yeah. That was Cert- cer- certainly give him a fist bump. Right. Sweet. So, um, all right. Tell me about your race. Yeah, did you well, it, start, it's, it started well. That's good. Um, That's <laughs> you know, actually, uh, the the first aid was great. I think it was uh, nerve wracking, thinking that that was going to be the queen stage. Um, but I think uh, I think we I think we fared pretty well on the first stage. Um, the weather threw a bit of a twist in at the end there. Um, for, you know, probably towards the the latter quarter of it, but um, I think we came out of that in decent shape. Um, things got a little rougher when we got onto the mountain bike because um, we had we'd actually give you know planned out turn by turn directions during the night before when we were doing our planning, and we got on the bike and immediately our bike computer didn't work. Yeah, I heard. Yeah, there was kind of a lot of that. So. <clears throat> and maybe a bit of a rookie mistake. We really didn't have any backup. Our, our original plan had been that uh, I had a map board on my bike, so Brian would have a computer on his, and it was it was brand new. Uh, we were, we had actually done it last minute. It was installed by a bike shop. It worked fine before we left, and um, it, it didn't even you know the the head unit turned on, but it didn't. No matter what we did, it wouldn't register to the to the sensor on the on the fork. Yeah. You know, that is bad enough if you're going for a training ride. It's like exponentially worse uh, when you're going to try and navigate a couple hundred miles, I would guess. Yeah, so the immediate impact <laughs> to us was that, um, you know, that, that that bike leg wasn't so so complex at all. Um, mm-hmm. We we knocked off the first CPs pretty 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 easily. The ride itself wasn't difficult, um, but when it got to the last CP before the the TA, um, two things happened. One is uh, we had missed a turn, didn't even realize we were we were we were on the wrong road, and also sec- probably second rookie mistake early on that really cost us was. Uh, 
didn't realize that that CP was on a supplemental map. And we spent, I think, at least two hours looking for it. And and then rolled into the TA to make the canoe cut off a few minutes before they were going to uh, divert people around the canoe. So we would have either had to um, get changed in about 15 minutes and get out on the boat, which uh, we saw as next to impossible at that point because we were, I think we were 25 hours in or so, something like that. Um, so, maybe not. Yeah. Maybe so, not. It was just so. Oh, sorry, we were 23 hours in, uh, approaching 23 hours in, and uh, you know the, the 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 rain from the from the night before um, really got a good start on our feet and hands and our uh, uh, in terms of. Uh, causing some potential blisters and maceration and stuff like that that we were concerned about at the time. It turns out we were fine, and with some powder and some time, we were fine. But uh, uh, at the time, it was very concerning. Yeah. Well, you weren't going to just – you literally couldn't just jump in a boat and go. You needed to take care of yourself a little bit. I think that's the ra- the rational choice. I, I regret that a little bit, but uh, – but, um, <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't uh, think that that wasn't the best choice overall. <laughs> yeah, but um, well, let's 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 take a time out. Now we're going to go back a little bit. So, how was the first trek for you? How was your navigation? Um, You're moving. How did you how did you do with that? Because I mean, that does. I don't know if it was the crux of the race, but it was certainly important. So, how did you get through that? Yeah, I'll, I'll answer that one too. At least start off um, coming out of the race and before getting the hindsight of being home and looking at the tracker and 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 see mm-hmm. how different other teams did. We thought we we were pretty solid on our approach to six, which was the first big challenge there. Um, yeah. We knew that we weren't perfect because we um, we essentially um, headed west like we intended to. We we turned south, uh, trying to hit that saddle between the tall mountain and and, and uh, CP six, and we ended up climbing a lot more of the mountain than we thought we we than we wanted. Than we wanted to, mm-hmm. um, but when we looked at the tracker, it really wasn't all that bad. Um, certainly, some 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 really good teams um, who did really well in the race didn't seem to have as as good of an approach as we did. So in the end, what we thought was a bit of a deficiency, I kind of think we we did pretty well there. Cool. Yeah, I mean, it is nice to be able to go back and and. Uh, yeah, is it Monday morning quarterbacking when you're looking at yourself, or is it is it uh, just studying film? Well, in my book, it was Monday morning, Tuesday morning, Wednesday morning, Thursday morning. <laughs> yeah. So, so um, when you're doing that and you're shooting for a saddle like that, how thick was it? Could you could you see the terrain? Um, I mean, here's how I am. I mean, I went. 
15 yards in when you guys started after CP5, and it's like, it's all the farther I got to go because it's not going to look any different. Mm-hmm. And it looked like it would be pretty hard to see the train, was it? Or did it open up a little bit? It was, it was I, hard. I, yeah, well, okay. I, I do. When we, when we sat down the night before and we did the initial mapping of that, of that, of that trek, we knew, and, 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 and Grant had spoken about this, was the fact that the, there really wasn't a whole lot of, of, um, of smaller features to work off of. Right, and so we really had a. It was all green on the map, is what he said at the at the uh, race briefing. Um, so we did a really, really, really nice job. After we had gone from one through five, it was time to get it to six. We did a great job um, descending into a, a, a stream, coming to that stream, going down it, and then coming up and over a saddle. And we we did a crackerjack job heading in the right direction with very little um, features to work off of. Um, and even our, 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 if you want to call it a misstep, which I don't even know if I would call it that, we were able to correct pretty quickly because we realized that our elevation was much higher than it should have been. And luckily we could tell on the maps that we were, we were one mountain south, if you will, of where we wanted to be. Um, so I think it really tested the limits of our navigation. And, and, and there was a, a frustrating part when we realized that we were at a certain height uh, and that height was clearly we were on the wrong, on the wrong rise, the wrong mountain. It was somewhat easy, if you will, to descend in the right direction, get ourselves back on the re-entry, and get ourselves back up the right mountain. I mean, I was super proud of the way that we got ourselves into six, because uh, that was the most complex navigation that I think we'd ever done as a team by a mile. Oh. Well, that's, I mean, kudos. I mean, people had trouble, so uh, it sounds like you came through it pretty cool. Yeah, and what was cool about it was, from like a, from a growth perspective, was that there was a part of the approach to six that we we were somewhat not really turned around, but we knew we were in the wrong spot, and it was frustrating because it was really thick. It was thick brush. It was a lot of it was a lot of cross ridge climbing. Um, it was wasn't smooth. It wasn't on trail. It was going through these pretty intense forests, and even knowing that we were on the wrong wrong piece of the map, we had to descend and then go up the other side. And as frustrating as that was, we never let the frustration get the better of us. Uh, which I was really proud about because you know you have all the pre-race nerves and the jitters and are you doing the right thing? The fact that we could have that 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 necessary correction um, so early in the race and do a really good job with it was a was a huge win for us early in the race, and I was really proud of that. Oh, sweet. Okay, now we can jump ahead again. So um, where were we? TA. So. <laughs> Continue, continue with your race, gentlemen. So why don't you go ahead, Brian? Okay, sure. So we, so we found our. So as Jim spoke about, we had that, we had that really, really, really strong biking section, followed by a really difficult um, chance finding um, that that last that last checkpoint, mm-hmm. right? And so we we came into, we actually arrived at the TA at about five thirty-five, and we were told that we'd have to be on the water by six to do the canoe yeah. and then we were this was still the rain this rain was still coming down it was still dark and at 5.30 we had been awake for 26 hours and we had been racing for, uh, for, for for 22 and a half hours um, and we were feeling I would say we were, we were feeling pretty good I mean our fitness is where we wanted it to be we were not in mm-hmm. stress we were not overly tired or beat up we were cold we were wet um, the weather for that first day was just was, was breathtakingly bad um, yeah and that really impacted us. And when we were told, and the volunteer in the TA was great, when he told us that we'd be looking at seven to eight hours 
in the canoe, um, the thought of getting in the canoe, basically rushing ourselves, not getting warm, putting dry clothes on, which would be re- wet really quickly into a canoe. For me, it was, it was much less of a, of a, of a guts versus no guts decision versus a safety decision. Because my concern was we get in that canoe, seven hours would turn into nine hours. We'd be 35 mm-hmm. hours into the race. We'd have not slept at all. And we would be washing up at the next transition completely like just nuked. Um, so I, I think in retrospect, while it would have been nice to have done that canoe, I think we definitely salvaged the, the days ahead of us by making a really conservative decision at that time. Um, yeah. But that was a low yeah. point. I mean, if Jim wants to talk about it, we were in that U-Haul. We were looking at each other like, oh, my God, like, what are we going to do? Um, Did this just fall apart? Yeah. Yeah. We just, we we really, we were in that. And a lot of adventure racers talk about this. And because we've read about adventure racing, we've raced, we knew that we would be here eventually. We were at that point in the race, we were kind of like, are, are we going to be able to keep going? Um, now, the- it, And it wasn't so much, uh, just to clarify, as Brent said, it wasn't so much were we able to keep going physically. It was literally... Did our opportunity to get as much out of this race as we thought we were going to get out of it get out of it just pass us? And that was a, it's actually a terrifying terrifying moment because we, you know, had a lot of expectations yeah. of ourselves, had a lot of you know put in a lot of planning, and it really was a, a gut check. Right. Yeah, that's a great way to describe it. Yeah. Um, did you guys discuss this before the race, like? Uh, you know, short coursing, or do you, you know, you know, stay on the course as long as you can? If or you know, had I, you I, had you discussed yeah. those possibilities? You, you no, know, I, I think we thought it was a, you know, it was a possibility there, but in our minds, there was no possibility that it would be happening this this early in the race, and maybe we should have spoken about that more. And I'm still, you know, I think in the end, in the full scheme of things that we did a, a decent job in in kind of navigating making sure that running our race so that we stayed on the course that, so that we took advantage of as most of the course as we could um, what I'm not fully convinced of being looking at it critically is if we should have just stuck to the program and done each thing as they were laid out for us and not not try and think ahead about well if we don't if we if we fully do this will we make that cut off okay yeah and I'd actually yeah, I, I, I see what you're saying yeah yeah I'm actually looking in the future not on this podcast but for <laughs> someone else to help me answer that question part of it's going to come from experience but I'm interested in getting others input on that topic yeah, that is kind of interesting. Yeah, what do you do? You, but I guess the uh, downside is if 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 you guys paddled for nine, if you if you nuked yourself, then then what if you're done? Exactly. I mean, is that, so right? I, I yeah, totally right. agree. So so the so again, I don't I don't regret that decision in terms of its ability to keep us on the race course. I, in some ways, part of me is wondering whether, really wondering, you know. Did we do the right thing from a racing perspective? Yeah. Well, yeah, and I think I think that if we if we if we had somewhat knuckled up and we got in that canoe, I think that I, there's no doubt in my mind that we were able to go for as long as we did, and, and the and the tracker told us 76 hours was our total race time. I, I I have very little doubt that if we had put ourselves into that canoe, wet, cold, and tired, 
that that there's a pretty good shot that we would have gotten to that next stage and we would have slept for like eight hours. Right? And then and then what you do then yeah. is the minute you do that, you just totally knock yourself out of all the other cutoffs. Like you you unintentionally short course yourself by going too hard too early. Part of my logic was the idea that there were gonna be other occasions down the down the race to get into a boat. And I didn't want to yeah. and I and I recognized that to go the whole breadth and length of the course was the way to go. And and you know, you know, all things being equal, you know, it's easy to look back and see a thousand different ways you could have done things differently. Um, Jimmy before used the word decent to, to talk about how we had done. Uh, I would actually take that a step further. I think that for two first time expedition level adventure racers, who by the way, I know we sound super young, but we're in our late forties. I think we absolutely that was a joke by the way. We absolutely, I think, did a hell of a job on this course because there were a million different things that we had never done before that we had to do under under stress, figuring things out, wet, cold, tired. I mean, you just check off all those yeah. boxes. It was like, this is nothing but a huge victory for us. Um, and what I'm not gonna do is I'm not gonna, I, I'm not gonna fall into a trap of comparing my effort to somebody who's done this five, 10 or 15 times and who might be 20 years younger than me. Um, that's, yeah. that's, a, that's, a, that's, a, I, that's a path that I'm not gonna go down. Um, as, yeah, as, I, could, I could see that if this was your eighth expedition race where you would yeah like you said knuckle up do the canoe push yourself if you blow up and right that's the end that's the end but yeah it seems to me for your first race your first major decision was the correct one yeah and and, and jimmy and i have a long history of racing together and what we we found across between the mountain biking 24 hour racing all those different things that the first time we do something, we, we, we survive it and we learn a lot from it. And then when we do it down the road, we are we are yeah. we are exponentially much better at it. Um, and you drop us into that same situation six months from now, we, we, we approach it completely differently because our muscle memory is so different now. Um, and I think that's one thing that's a big takeaway I have from this race is that what this race has done for me, it has expanded my perception of my of my of my how, how deep I could go into the tank. What I could be able to do, how well I can communicate with Jimmy, the way I can, I could, I could, I could do my navigation, my food, my my stress. Like I have a completely different perception of what I'm capable of as an athlete because of this race, and that's completely worth the price of admission to learn that. Yeah, that's that's huge to find to get close to your boundaries. Yeah, I don't think you probably haven't found them yet, but yeah, yeah. you've seen them on the map. Yeah, yeah. And to be on the other side of it and to really enjoy the experience was, was is the greatest thing. And the and yeah. you may not realize it, but the, the, the real humor here, Randy, is that in all the years of racing, particularly bicycle racing, Brian isn't known as the most he, Brian is definitely a thinker in life. During racing, he's not known as being a thinker. He's known as a bull in a china shop that's gonna barrel ahead and think about the ramifications later. And in this race, we kind of switch roles, and in our post-race analysis, we've kind of switch roles. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I would agree, I would agree with that. Why? Don't know. Not it's not yeah. conscious. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> well, I think I think what yeah. it is too is I think that because Jim and I work together very well as a team, that we both can't occupy the same space at the same time. We can't both be the thinker, and we can't both be the bull in the china shop. And so we might not realize that we unintentionally pick up the cue from the other person and we align ourselves to the role that we have to have. 
know, and I and makes sense. Yeah, and I think that that's a that's a pretty cool dynamic. I have to tell you the, um, I, and I, I know that some of the racers from Untamed are listening to this. Uh, we were so so impressed with our fellow racers, their attitude, their approaches, their skill, the way that they 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 treat each other as teammates. I mean. What a great group of people to spend that much time around under really, really, really interesting uh, circumstances. It was the people were just fantastic. Yeah, well, that is what brings us back. I think yeah. to some of us anyway. No, I absolutely uh, agree with that. Yeah. So, what um, what legs did you guys end up doing? How you know? Sure. Once you made the decision, yeah. Okay, so we so so Jimmy, once you pick it up, we so, so we rode our bikes to the next TA. We did right? full all leg one. We did the bike on leg two but but uh skipped the canoe we then um got on our bikes and rode to the next ta which would have been the end of the the canoe i think ta3 the start of leg three um we did leg three we had uh again back on the mountain bikes and uh and minus a computer we uh started off fine and then also had a bit of a navigation blunder there that sent us just about off the map according to the uh the search and rescue guys who were uh <laughs> <laughs> actively watching our dot um <laughs> we ended up uh at some point stopping for directions we stopped at some lake resort somewhere and realizing that we were way <laughs> too far west of where we wanted to be <laughs> we we actually uh, we we actually flagged down a, a car that was passing by and the car had New York plates. And Jimmy was like, dude, she'll have no idea where she is. She's in New York. And I'm like, I don't care. I'm asking for help from anybody right now. Um, she, she, could have had an, she could have been an axe murderer. I was asking her for directions. And, um, and she, she really had no idea where she was. She was trying to help us. And then when I asked her if we were in Maine or New Hampshire, she laughed because she thought I was kidding. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, no, I'm completely serious. And I think she I, laughed because she had no idea what the answer was. Right, well, that's true too. Maybe, uh, and then she finally sent us down the road into this little this little resort where they were just great, and they were great getting us back on the highway. And then we ended up skipping a bunch of checkpoints to get down to 26. Uh, we did stop for ice cream along the way. Um, I know that, that Sweet. I know that drove Jimmy crazy when I pulled over. <laughs> um, wait, wait, wait! Ice cream and a nap. Well, no, there was, who napped? I didn't nap. Yeah, you did. No, not when getting ice cream. No way. The same, the same leg. It was you. You, uh, you, you napped on the oh, porch of the that store. Was we took an hour at the store. Well, yeah. let's, let's go. Let's go one at a time. One, well, one was the ice cream, um, and the cool thing about the ice cream was was that we arrived at this gorgeous ice cream stop, um, and then a camp showed up, and it was like twenty five children from this camp arrived, and we're sitting out front eating our ice cream, and the, the children couldn't help but comment on who had the terrible body odor, um, and so <laughs> so we appreciated uh, their commentary. And then we were going down the road, and I needed I needed a little to. So we took a, a I took an hour long. Was it an hour, Jimmy? Yeah. Go down for that long. I took an hour long laying on a bench outside of a closed restaurant um, during a huge rainstorm, um, which was the best hour that I could have spent my time resting. Um, and then we were back on the bikes. Did, were you um were were you aware of how much an hour could do for you? An hour nap like that? No, no, it was fantastic. Like it was really, it was huge at that time. Yeah, yeah. I think that's something you got to get into, a, you know, a, into day two or three, and then you learn how much, yeah, you know, that hour will do for you. Yeah. yeah, I think that's something we have to, you know, 
explore more deeply um, because we'll explain as the rest of the race panned out. We had we had uh, two opportunities to take other sleep breaks, and they were in the three three plus hour range. Um, but but you know I was amazed not only how much a quick 45 minute hour nap would would refresh you, but also how you could be you could be on a leg and absolutely exhausted, feeling like you can't take another step, and then an hour later, you still haven't slept, you haven't eaten anything more than you've been eating all along, and you feel like a million bucks. Yeah, huh. I agree. Yeah, a little a little food, a little a little a little energy, and you're all of a sudden you're a different person. I agree with that. Interesting. Well, yeah, that, those are, those are the things that you uh, I think you started out this race to learn, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, all right. So we're we're on bike leg. Where are we at? We're at the, so we left TA three. <laughs> we got lost. We got ourselves into CP twenty six, which is the which is mm-hmm. the railroad station. And then okay, yeah. and then from CP twenty six, we rode into the Abenaki ski resort. Okay. Um, got there. Yeah, that was Pancake Did Paradise. The, um, and yeah. they had told us that they really that, that teams had the option of not doing the mountain bike orienteering because there was going to be a 3 a.m. cutoff for the start of the trek. Um, okay. And they didn't want to have people miss the trek. Um, so we yeah. we had pancakes. We got a little caught up there with, with, with conversation with people. And then we started riding from there around Lake Lake uh, Winnipesaukee into mm-hmm. into the into the the belt naps. And Jimmy did a great job navigating us in. Jimmy, talk about the road that you just found that brought us right to it, and then into Stage Road eventually. Yeah. So how do you do that? Because I know that was a little tough for some people to get there. Um, we did a decent job on the open road navigating around Winnipesaukee. We actually. Part of the benefit is we skipped at least one of those CPs in there, so we we took a closer route down the east side of Winnipesaukee and then back up the north side. Um, when we started up Route 11, um, we I think you know Brian just gave me credit for it, but we went back and forth as to whether to continue up. Um, you know, we were looking for navigational features in terms of the lake and where the water crossings were on Route 11 and, and, and whether the mountain in front of us was the mountain we were looking at on the map. And we were looking for what we thought was a fire road. And we finally found that uh, we, we I think we've changed the name of that road several times, but it was Jesus Lives something. Road or Jesus Saves Road or Jesus Something Road. And uh, we took it and we... Um, Navigated uh, our way to the uh, TA. Sweet. Um, yeah, and I, I think that I so, think that Jimmy's to his credit, Jimmy's kind of kind of got the chase on that. That was a long, that was a pretty complex little trail system in there. Um, and then we actually yeah. popped out onto a road. We, we we ran out of trail and we had to backtrack a bit, and um, we were able to find our way into the TA, and we got there at about eleven forty-five um, at night. And uh, our yeah. our bins were there, and we were there, and we decided to, you know, rather than rather than like pitch tents and sort of hang out, Jimmy, tell them what we did with our with our tents. 
What do we well, do? Well, two things. Rather than head right out on the trek and try and find CPs totally in the dark and what we understood to be a pretty pretty dense forest, we figured we'd take advantage of the the opportunity to take a nap. And we also had kind of the the idea that teams were fighting to get there by a 3 a.m. cutoff, and we were there at 11 p.m. So we decided to eat, have a good meal, and then take a nap. And uh, we were in an open parking lot. It was a little rocky. Some people had set up their tents. Some people were sleeping on the ground. So we decided to uh, lay our tents on the ground and use them as ground cover and sleep right on top of them. And in case it started to rain again, we could kind of crawl in our tents, possibly set up the poles. Um, but but if it if it didn't rain, we were able to just not go through the hassle of setting up the tent. Right. So which, we, was a, which was a great idea until about 2 o'clock when, when the weather got a little bit colder and the condensation came and we woke up soaking wet, cold, shivering, and realized we had to start moving around. After like, so, so it was a, the best laid plans of mice and men. Well, and actually, I, I, I slept right through that. I, right. I, had, I had a decent sleep. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just wet and cold. So we I woke up wet, believe me, but I, I was... Uh, I, I, I didn't wake up till closer to the time where we are looking to head out. Yeah. So you just kind of waited tell it was going to be you got started in the dark but you know daylight was coming we, yeah we, we, we actually it was kind of interesting because we woke up around the time that the cutoff uh occurred so if you remember randy the people had to arrive at that ta by 3 a.m and we were waking up yeah. at 3 a.m to get dressed and and start to head out so that you know maybe we'd get one checkpoint in the dark, but then we'd be light for the rest of the the rest of the trek. Right. Um, yeah. Some interesting kind of you know uh, observations around people trying to get to that checkpoint at that time of the morning. You know, we we observe people coming in just before the checkpoint. We observe some people coming in just after the checkpoint. Uh, pardon me, just after the cutoff, and then we continued to see people for hours on the trek that. Literally had made it to that to that uh, right TA. Yeah, yeah, a lot. Of, it it yeah. appeared to be a lot harder than it may have looked uh, on trackers, anyway. Yeah, I mean that was a beautiful forest. I, I, I that 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 Belknap Forest is on my list to go back uh, yeah. uh, hiking and or mountain biking. <clears throat> so yeah, so we we had departed the the, uh, the TA at about three thirty or so. Um, we bumped into our friends from um, uh, Naira, Naira Montbell, and they they looked great. They just had a nap, and they were, you know, remember they they were one of the full course teams, uh, and they looked fantastic. Um, so we saw them, and, and just just we, to clarify, they, they we saw them, but they had a, what a lot of teams were doing, where they were going and getting checkpoint A, B, and C, and then they were coming descending back through the TA to get D, E, and F. Um, yeah. Some teams take a bit of a different route, but but the Naira Montbell team had already gotten A, B, and C, and happened to catch us coming out of the TA as they were passing back through. Right. Yeah. Um, so we we had a tough time getting to A. A was a stream by a swamp. We had the the, the, the tracker shows walking all around it, but we never got A. Uh, and then we decided to hike up, and we got B, and we got C, which were just on top of these uh, these gorgeous mountains. Um, yeah. And the, the view, the view was just great. I mean, 
completely worth the price of admission. Um, yeah. And then we, we, we realized that we weren't going to get D, E, and F. We wanted to start to make our way to the end of the trek. So we came across the northern ridges to get across. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So we, there was a lot of vertical gain, a lot of up, a lot of down. Um, but I think I think Jimmy, I think we're in pretty good spirits for that, right? I mean, we didn't really we weren't we weren't delighted, but it wasn't like it was crushing us. It was um, a beautiful you, hike. Yeah, yeah. You 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 did of your swim. Yes, I got a nice refreshing swim in one of the lakes. I had Brian. We we both kind of asked each other what our druthers were, and Brian wanted uh, you know 15 minutes to sit quietly, and I wanted uh, 15 minutes to go swim in the lake. Kind of refresh that way. That was that was nice. Yeah, and then, sweet. Yeah, and then we had so then we finished up that uh, that hike. We we ended up hiking into the transition to the mountain bikes. Okay. Um, so did you guys come from the north and then just follow the trails down, or? Yeah, we walked um, out. We took the road out. So we kept. Okay. Road, so yeah. you hit the, that parking lot off of, off the blue trail and. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So okay. so we took the. I forget the name of the peaks, but from from checkpoint C, there's a northern route that took you across the the top of many of the peaks, and then ultimately led you to that parking lot in the road. Yeah, yeah. So, I do know the parking lot. <laughs> yeah, I was there several times. So, um, all right. So then you're back on the bikes, and that's kind of the ride ended over, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we spent some time at that TA. Um, there was a storm mm-hmm. was rolling in, so we, we decided to let the storm kind of go over us. Um, and then another team was coming back up, and this team, talk about a hard luck story, um, great, great two guys. They, they they were the guys that had thrown their their passport in the garbage. And they were, okay. and they were yeah. an hour and a half away, and then they rode an hour and a half to get back to get the passport. And we, we met them there, and they decided that they, too, were just going to – they were going to ride it into Dover to get up to paddle. So we, we, we didn't leave with them, but we found them on the road, and we rode we, – we got we got a, a nice slice of pizza with them. Um, and then we rode with them into Dover. Um, and it's a pretty cool story that, that happened during that ride. Do you want to tell the story about the, uh, the, the, the raid? Sure. So, uh, yeah – these guys were doing great in the race and were pretty demoralized when they had a return for their passport and also realizing that they were they had some pretty critical uh, chafing type issues so they were just gonna gonna ride it into to, to Dover and we like Brian said we didn't leave the TA together but we quickly found each other afterwards and we started trying to work together during the ride um, you know, one funny little story there is Brian said we stopped for a piece of pizza, and uh, it, Mark, um, who was manning the TA, actually tracked us down via our trackers while we were sitting there eating a slice of pizza to tell us that he had uh, he had given us a piece of information that wasn't quite correct. So he he was <laughs> very diligent in tracking us down. We were quite surprised that he found us, uh, on the, you know, sitting on. Sitting there and uh, enjoying a slice of pizza. When, uh, when he came walking into the pizza pot, I thought we were in trouble. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Oh my god, what's going on?" And he's like, "No, no, I told you they're wrong. You have to go to TA six, not TA 7 He was great. Um, and, and but ultimately, yeah. yeah. Ultimately, we left there and we got on the road. And like Brian said, this really big storm was blowing in. Um, we saw the lightning coming across the horizon for quite a while. 
and there's these two two-man teams who've had l very little sleep over the last however many hours and uh, trying to ride together kind of in a pace line and kind of work when you needed to work and, and rest when you needed to rest. Didn't start off real smoothly. We also kind of pulled over to put on a raincoat, pulled over to take you know, take off the raincoat several times. So we got off to a bit of a rocky start in terms of efficiency. And um, anyway, we, we we finally started to get in our groove, and then that's when the the rain really really hit. We had we we actually turned over, uh, pulled over to put it back on our rain gear, and um, the rain just started coming down in sheets. And uh, the only thing in sight was what looked like an old Baptist church, and it was kind of up on a hill behind a rock wall, and we thought. It's the only thing in sight. Maybe they have an awning or a porch or something that we could get under. And as we were coming up the dirt driveway to the church, um, under the tree canopy, I, I happened to be the rider out of the four of us that was in the lead. I saw a barn. And uh, the thing that was perplexing about it is it was dark. The barn didn't have any doors on it. Um, I thought, you know, here we are, just our luck. And as we pull around the side of the barn, it was sort of like a lean-to. Uh, we called it the manger because it had four stalls and four guys, and we pulled, each one of us kind of instinctively pulled our bike into a stall, and we just unpacked our gear and went to sleep for a couple hours. Yeah. It was, it was, a, it was, uh, a, it was a perfect adventure-racing moment, and the idea that, like, in a – in a moment of extreme challenge and stress, we, we, we were, we're, we're roaming around and we stumble across this perfectly acceptable dry spot where we could hunker down for a few hours to ride out the storm. Um, yeah. It was absolutely perfect. And that was the same time when all the boats were ordered off the water. That was that, was that same yeah. storm. That, that night, yeah. I mean, the only problem with that story is there were four wise men and not three. <laughs> I wouldn't call us two wise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, that is kind of, I don't know, a highlight of something like that to just just to be dry. Oh, I can imagine how you, how you felt. Oh, absolutely, yeah. 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 And the, the story behind it, we've since gone on to Google Earth and found the church, and uh, I think we're going to write them a thank you letter, even though they don't know we were there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, then we, and so well, then we woke good. up there. It was We woke about 2 in the morning, I think, Jimmy. Was it 2 o'clock? Something like that. Yeah, two o'clock, and then we just, and then we just, the four of us just got on our bikes and just rode our way into into Dover. Um, yeah. And we got there at about six thirty or so. And by getting there at six thirty, we were obligated to, to take the paddle to take the boats directly into the finish. Um, okay. Which took which which you know on with if the tides go in the right direction, it's it's a, it's a delightful uh, ride. Um, that was not our experience. No. I, I mean, I know some teams got the got the tide, but it's like it, I I haven't heard of them. No, but you know, it's like everybody just hit it hit it wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what do you do? I mean, yeah. it's tides. It, it was it was so. you know it was a pretty grueling paddle. I mean, I'll <laughs> tell you that uh, hopping eddy to eddy um, was absolutely necessary and hiding behind docks and rocks and, 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 and jetties was, uh, the only way you were able to make that paddle. And still at times, you know, you, the nice thing about eddy hopping is you get a little break and you get a little place to hide. The, the bad thing is that 
some of those transitions are where the water is moving the absolute fastest. And uh, there were times where I felt I was paddling as hard as I could, and I was barely going forward. Yeah, and that's and that's a and that's a, a, a good thing to bring up because you, you think to yourself, you know, you're, you're 70 plus hours into this effort, you're looking to finish, looking to get the finish line, and I have to tell you, I was paddling as hard as I possibly could, and we were barely making headway. I mean, that tide was just slamming right into us. And Jimmy's right, getting around those eddies and around those docks. I got banged up against the docks. I thought I was going in the drink. The pleasure boats were hitting us with wakes. Um, it was a really a very, very, very appropriately intense way to finish the event for us. Well, would you have it any other way? No, not at all. And the funny quote from that time was, you know, Mike and Cullen, the guys from Dawes, are – really experienced paddlers um we benefited immensely from their uh their uh their their skill and and uh kind of navigation of the of the water and the uh, and the obstacles really um but i i kept on telling them to go on ahead because they had the ability to to move much faster than us at at that point because they've they've spent a lot of time on the water Mm -hmm. and at one point mike turned to me and he said uh I don't know how about you guys do it in the states, but if after you sleep someone sleep with someone, we don't leave in the morning. <laughs> you say no, that's what we do in the states. Yeah. <laughs> uh, adventure racers, you gotta love them, right? Yep. And they 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 you know we we finished the the we paddled in together for you know two two man teams paddled in side by side. Yeah, that. Uh, I, you know, there was there was actually quite a lot of that in that last paddle, just because teams would get held up and sent at the same time, and um, it's it's really fun to see teams teams finishing together like that that have worked together. I mean, I mean, it's fun to see teams finish, but I think there's a little extra special there when when you've uh, you've you've uh, manned up and teamed up, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I, th- I think the I think you know. It's so funny because um, what separates Jimmy and I is that Jimmy is is is, is top notch and excellent at talking about the 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 the, the uh, specific parts of the race. Um, I'm all about the lessons that you take out of the race, uh, and not that Jimmy isn't in many ways, but I, I kind of that's where I focus. Um, and it, and a huge lesson to take out of the race is that when people are in a shared effort together, that it bonds them together, right? That when you're when you're all sort of in the same you're in the same uh, cauldron. You're in the same boiling pot of water. You lean on each other, um, and just like those guys helped us with the paddle, we helped them on, on the bike. Uh, and that's a really cool thing about adventure racers and, and about the whole sport itself—that there really is that shared sense of camaraderie. Um, that's a big lesson that I took away from it, which I expected. It was nice to see it confirmed. Yeah. What um, What expectations were shattered, and what were um, what were true to you? Now that you've done the race, okay, Jim. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I'll talk about it, but I'm I'm probably going to go for a while on this one, so I don't want to take away your energy. It, the only thing shattered for me was the fact that we had our first diversion early in the race. In terms of okay. shattered, in terms of an expectation, um, that's it. I mean, I didn't, you know, knowing the twenty. To Knowing that all twenty, you know, twenty or thirty percent of teams finish this race, 
um, full course, I knew we weren't going to end up there. But I thought it was going to be one deviation later in the race um, after, you know, four or five, six, seven, you know, uh, legs of the race completed. Brian, why don't you go ahead? I actually think I'm going to have to change my headset here because I'm getting a battery low warning. Okay. Yeah. So the yeah. So so definitely in terms of expectations and shattering. So when I go into an event like this, it's it's just I have no idea what's coming. Right. I expect it to be a fist fight. I expect it to be crazy and just a lot going on. Um, and so I was fully expecting everything that was thrown at us. And I had read enough about these races and about Grant that I knew I knew that Jimmy and I were in over our heads. I knew that from the beginning. Um, and, and there was no problem with that. We voluntarily put ourselves into a situation that we were somewhat unsuited for. Like, cause like the only way that you, the only way that you grow capacity in adventure racing is to do races that you're not really ready for. And we were ready for this race in a very general sense, but there were parts of this race that we weren't ready for due to a lack of experience. Um, yeah. and so nothing was really shattered fr- from my perspective. Um, it wasn't like something happened down the pike where I was kind of like, oh, I wasn't expecting that. Like, I knew that we were going to have a really hard time at some point during the race. I agree with Jimmy. It came a little early for us. But I was somewhat expecting that when I when I heard about how intense the first the first leg was going to be. I, I In my head, I thought to myself, okay, that zero hour where it's going to get really, really bonkers is going to come a lot earlier in the race for us. And when it came at the end of the of the second leg, it made complete sense to me. I wasn't the least bit surprised. Do you think you would have had? And I and I, ha, I hesitate to say a better race because I think you had a great race. Do you think it would have been for you a little easier if, like, maybe that first uh, stage would have been a sixty mile mountain bike ride or something? You know, something a little less intense. Yeah. No, no. I mean, I mean, easier, easier begets easier, right? And so, yeah. if it was less intensity on like one, would we have had a different race? Yeah. Would I trade the intensity? Not in a heartbeat. Um, I think we would have had a much different race if we. And this is a lesson that we took away from this was, is that we definitely our lead up to the race the night before, getting our maps organized, getting ourselves organized. That's something that we have to be better at next time, no doubt about it, because. Because we were rushed the night before, we missed the fact that there was an additional map for the CP that we missed. Um, you know, there's an expression I use at work, all of our wounds are self-inflicted. If we had known there was a supplemental map, we wouldn't have had that two-hour delay, which would have got us to the canoe two hours early and on the water two hours earlier. Um, yeah. And so that was – so we did it to ourselves. The course doesn't do it to you. You do it to yourself. Yeah, that makes I would, sense. I would agree with that, and um, I actually – um, I really liked that first stage, and I was uh, I, I wouldn't have changed that at all. I agree, absolutely, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, I um, I'm I don't know. Can I say I'm proud of you? I think you guys did great. I don't know what that means. <laughs> that and a nickel get you a cup of coffee at Wall Drug, but means means a lot. Means a lot to me. I'm sure sure it means a lot to Brian as well. Absolutely. Oh yeah, yeah. I think yeah. Thank you, and thank you for those, those kind words, Randy. I mean, there's. There's no doubt when you step back and you look at our experience in total, it delivered everything we hoped it would deliver. It, it got us exactly where we want to be. And on top of that, it, it, it prepared us even better for the next time we choose to do this. Because there's going to be a next time. This was not, we're not yeah. one and done. This was, this was an absolute blast. 
Yeah. So we've uh, they they've cracked the cr- cracked the code with you you guys how to yeah get you back. Yeah. Yeah. Just make it really hard. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny you say that, right? Because because knowing Jimmy and I, we would we, if you gave us the option of a of a softer course that we would have gone longer on, or yeah. a really really hard course that challenged us from the get, we would choose the latter a hundred times out of a hundred. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's our that's really, our personalities to a T. Yeah, I think that's most adventure racers to a T. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And Randy, you might you might we might need to circle back on this. We're actually looking for our next race, so we might need to have you tell us which one you would recommend that we do. Adventure race or race race? Well, well, we're we're kicking around Trans South Dakota, right? Uh, and, which I'm I'm saying, right? Um, Paulette really really loved the race, and and I think she went into it a little bit not sure, but she kind of was, you know, friends of ours, you know, wanted to ride it and supporting her and you know getting her all her gear and stuff, and uh, she really really enjoyed it. <laughs> I mean, even as miserable as she is, she's like, well, you know, I think maybe I need a different GPS. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, for adventure, you know, it's hard to say what's going to come up. I mean, you know, obviously I got to say Shenandoah, but I, you know, you guys are looking for next year, but I'd say that. Um, maybe Oregon, Expedition Oregon. Okay. That's a long ways. You know, that's clear across the country, but um, I th- definitely that would uh, suit you uh, as opposed to the wanting a tough race. Gotcha. So. Yeah, we we read about that one. That was something else. Yeah. yeah. So so we're we're open, we're open to it, and you know, and the, we're we're blessed too in the idea that there's a a vibrant a vibrant adventure racing community here on the East Coast. So I'm sure yeah. a lot of the local 24 hour races. I mean, you do have the longest day coming up for Naira. Um, yeah. Which is going to be a great race, and a lot of really strong teams. It sounds like are coming to that. Yeah, that's like Labor Day weekend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's um because sitting here at my computer, there's a a box open with a message from Denise Mass. Like, what are you doing the weekend of September first? Awesome. Maybe we'll so. see you there. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think it's one of those things where they're trying to see if they can. Find some find a way to get me there. So okay. Well, if you it need any be, help, it would be fun. If you need any help logistically, let us know. Well, that's a, yeah. I'll do that. Yeah. You know, another box. So, well, you know, and I think I told you this, but um, there's a discount if you use my name for Trans South Dakota. You did mention well, that. Yeah. So. Well, as, as long as you don't have to pay more. That's true. You should, yeah, if you know me, you should have to pay more. That's a good point. It's like it's the Randy penalty. Um, there you go. No, but yeah, but that's definitely a. Um, uh, it's definitely in our in a, in a possibility for us to consider that. You know, you know, bigger and better. Yeah. So I will have a. Paulette shot a lot of video at the race, so I'll have that out. So, so Randy, if I could ask, what was your having somebody yeah. who's who's knows this knows this intimately well and knows the sport and knows. You know the grant and all the different things. What, how would you sort of quantify and, and consider untamed? Was it was it the hardest one you've seen? Was it somewhat hard? Was it pretty much the average? Was it above average? What, what would I'm, I'm curious as to your your base of knowledge about it because Jimmy and I were, were this is brand new for us. We don't know yeah. anything. What did you What did you think? I think it was not the hardest, but the hardest that was doable. 
Got it. Because, like, um, in 14, you had that Abernathy trek, which was just, like, 36 hours of crawling through the bush. Okay. And a lot of teams didn't do it. Um, in 10, or, yeah, 10, there was things like the Moose Alley, um, Moose Alley Portage, which was just, you know, pulling boats through the woods, through this trail that had been made, like, a week before. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um so there may have been harder legs in other races. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I so this is my fourth untamed, and I by far, um, I think it's the best one. Okay, I think it was a fair course. It was hard, mm-hmm. no doubt about that. You know, you had you had weather, but but not always. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and let's face it. I don't think you're ever going to find an adventure racer that has a adventure race that has a better finish. No, so that was great. So I, um, you know, Grant took four years to to get back at it, but I think it was worthwhile. Right. So he'll be hard to top himself if he does if he does another <laughs> right. Which I think we all hope he will, but it'll be. T- I hope it, you know it'll be at I least hope two he will, years. But I just hope it's, hope it's not next summer. <laughs> no, it won't be. <laughs> well, and I, I can tell you, too, and I'm sure that Grant's going to have a chance maybe to listen to this podcast. Um, he should be um, complimented for the for, for the whole experience. You know, Jimmy and I, we've done a lot of organized events, top notch from start to finish, the entire experience, yeah. uh, and that was and that and that makes it easier for us to to consider another race um, of, of Grant's. I mean, it, it was a really, really, really well done and enjoyable. And everything about the, the whole experience was wonderful. <clears throat> it's something about, you know, if, if you consider Grant a manager, that people will just, they, everybody brings their A game, racers, volunteers. Um, he just brings that out in people, I think. And the number of yeah. the number of pro level teams, top teams, who were just kind of giddy with speculation as to what was going to be thrown at them was was right. it was really exciting as a as a newbie, and it was it was also uh, pretty amazing to watch. Yeah, I agree with that absolutely. Cool. All right. Well, I think um, if anybody has listened to this long, because these are going to go out together. Okay. So. <laughs> Tomorrow. Okay. Cool. <laughs> and and I, I did my introduction, and I told people that, you know, my plan was to put out the first part last week when the race started, and then at one thirty in the morning, the the night before the start, I'm like, screw it. You people can wait another week. <laughs> so Half the listening community was uh, there at the race, right? That's true. Yeah, half my audience is there, right. so what difference does it make? <laughs> so. All right, cool, guys. It was fun. Maybe I'll see you in a few weeks. Hope, hope, hope you get it, Randy. Love to see you again. It's been great. Right. Thanks for your time. All the best. Talk to you. All right, thank hey, you, guys. Jimmy, Jimmy, quick question. What time are you riding in the morning? 545. 545. I'll see you on the bikes. Thank All you, right. Randy. Sweet, guys. All right. Good night. Bye.